0: See how many times it takes me to record this intro. This is take three. Hey everyone. It's nice to see all your smiling faces back here again. This is the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It is the second episode of season six, or it is the 32nd episode overall since the show's since the shows it's that's very easy to get hung up on since the show's inception in the dark ages of 2019 i am the reason that your favorite podcast host is no longer your favorite it's me your boy kevin krein aka kevy fly thanks for joining me here once again We will get to all the fine print and stuff you all probably skip over listening to at the end of today's episode. I don't want to waste any more time with an intro. I want to get you right into the interview with today's illustrious guest, uh, one of my personal favorite singers and songwriters for quite some time. We chop it up about where you might know her from, and she selected a delightfully eclectic and very personal mix of music so please put your hands together as you are able for my illustrious guest today Anna Lynn Long I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend and but also like your very busy life to wanna to do this and be willing to to do this. I'm I'm really appreciative.
1: Thanks. It was good good timing when you asked.
0: Yeah. Um and so for the folks out in podcast land who might not be familiar with you and your various uh musical output over the you know the last like decade decade plus of all the things that you have done do you want to just take a quick moment to introduce yourself and uh what it is that you do and where people might know you from and then we can begin the conversation about the songs that you've selected sure um
1: yeah. so yeah my name is Anna Lynn but um I'm going by Lot Kessner these days but okay. originally I started out in a band called Trespassers William, and that was actually almost like 20 years ago um, when yeah. we first got together. And so I was in that band for about a decade. And during that time, near the end of it, I started branching off and doing some solo stuff on MySpace and just stuff that I felt like maybe the guys wouldn't be as into or was really personal or I just like wanted to get it out really quickly and MySpace was like a new thing. So I started doing solo, um, and then when Trespassers broke up, I just have been focusing on the Lock Kestner stuff. I also, during uh, right after I think I did my first solo record, I started a duo called Ormond with my friend Robert, and we put out two records as well. Which for a while were kind of my focus, like that's what I toured for because I like touring with other people. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really. I've only done like one lot Kessner tour. Well, and some like house show tours and stuff like that because it, it's just different than when you have a band. Yeah. Um, so, and then I sang, I've, I've done a lot of collaborating with people. So I've done some electronic tracks with Delirium and Chemical Brothers and Minotaur Shock. And I've done some like rap guest vocals for Sadistic and Bodhi and um you
0: spit hot fire bars left and right yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. so yeah I kind of like all kinds of music okay but I only tend to write sad folky stuff but then when I when I have the opportunity to work on something dancey or fun I like doing that too
0: and um maybe like a week or so ago after we had kind of rescheduled doing this, I went back and I was listening to different stars and that's t- turning 20 this year. And I was like, damn, oh, life comes yeah. at you fast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's weird. And I'm, I it mean, <laughs> kind of feels like that was maybe the high point of my career. Oh, no. I mean, not necessarily creatively wise, but just yeah. in terms of it like reaching the audience that we wanted to reach and it meaning a lot to people and not just being like, I don't know lost in the sea of digital everything so um, yeah that was you know when I die that it'll be what people think
0: (laughs) you do have a new solo album coming out and this is good timing I guess because like as I had mentioned to you when we were scheduling this I'm like nobody comes on my show to promote things and I don't actively seek out somebody like yo you have a new album coming out come on my podcast and talk about it but it just worked that You had started announcing that you have a new album coming out on February 11th, and this seemed like a a good time to get you on here to talk about that. But also, the question that I've been asking everybody who I've talked to on this show since the beginning of 2020 is, how are you holding up in terms of, like, (laughs) you're like, no comment? Um, But... (laughs) In just, terms of in terms of just like remaining creative if you can like are you doing a lot of zoom therapy to get through each week like how no, hard I mean, has it I, been You're one of
1: the first people I've talked to that isn't <laughs> my husband or my child in a long time Um I all, so yeah I, I get really jealous actually of some of my musician friends who I think have even though we've all, all gone through a really hard time in the last few years yeah. a lot of people have had a much harder time than me um, I'm jealous of my friends who've used this as a time to write a book or time to be super creative or, um, paint or whatever they've been doing, because I've actually been a lot less creative because I had a kid kind of right before the whole, um, lockdown thing started. So I'm just learning how to be a parent is my thing. I read books about parenting all night and when my kid won't sleep or, um, so we've, we've been, and I've, I'm kind of a hypochondriac, that's a strong word for it, but like, I'm, I'm more concerned, I think, than the average person about COVID. Cause I've had my share of weird diseases that I've caught and had a bad time with it. So I don't want sure. it to talk to my kid or to me, cause I need to take care of her. So, um, we've been pretty locked down for the most part. And like, I haven't been to a show in years and stuff like that. Um, I actually haven't written a song Since I got pregnant, which I'm hoping is not like a permanent hormonal thing (laughs) with me, but, um, I had written a lot of songs right before, um, but sorry, that that's probably a different question talking about, talking about the record. Um, so I, I'm holding up. I've been actually having a pretty emotional couple of years because I'm very isolated haven't been doing anything creative until I finally put the finishing touches on this record and then started thinking like, like we just shot the video two weeks ago and everything's been very like, let's get it all done. I want it to come out real as fast as possible. Um, and then I'll probably get depressed after it comes out. i so will going to be like, what am I going to do now? Um, are
0: you going to get really into baking or, like Oh, I'm very, evening?
1: I'm very into baking. Okay. <laughs>
0: I guess let's start talking about some of these songs here then. We can talk about the record at the end if you want. Um with this list I'm always fascinated when folks send me their selections because sometimes it's all new to me, sometimes it is a song I'm like yes, I can't wait to talk about that song with that person. And other times I'm just kind of like how like so what metric did you use to select these 9? Like was are are these how did What kind of, did you pick Um, things that meant something to you at one point in your life, like favorite songs or how did, how did you select these?
1: Uh, I kind of just tried to think of the first songs that leapt to mind. Um, and I haven't really been listening to music all that much for the last few years, which is a a bummer. Um, but I've either like, I went into my own land of just doing my own music or I've just been really busy. Yeah. So, um, unless I'm in the car or if I'm going to cover a song, I'll listen to it like 80 times or something. Um, (laughs) But so most of the songs are kind of older songs because they're they're just things that I've had in my listening collection for 25 okay. years or something. Okay. Um, I put in, I think, yeah, I sent you the list in reverse chronology. So the one song, the, uh, maybe the first two or three are some of the only songs that have really stood out to me in the last few years in okay. my small attempt to find cool new music.
0: <laughs> it's tough. But There's the other ones are like there. songs that are in- <laughs>
1: But I think a lot some of the songs on the on the list are like turning point songs that okay. like were made me feel something different about music or about the possibility of me making music and stuff like that.
0: okay. So let's get into it. And these are uh, some of these like the the ones at the top here are ones that I was not familiar with at all. So the first one you've picked is by an artist j. f. d. r. And the song. Yeah, White and I, song. I think,
1: and I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it's like Jófríður's her name okay. or her last okay. name. So she uses the the letters. I'm not sure actually how she would say it, the letters or the the word. An Icelandic artist. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Who isn't Björk? Is everybody in Iceland in a band? It seems. And it
1: seems like they have a good output. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you come across um this and kind of what what was it about the song specifically that you had latched to?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is probably the last song I discovered that I really love. Um, and I and I, and some of her other songs since I've also loved. I think it popped up for me on YouTube one day, okay. just as like a thing to listen to. Like, I'm not sure if somebody mentioned it. But I do think um, one of the little labels that I'm on in Japan, like puts out some Japanese, they also do her stuff. So I've seen okay. her, her pop up on their feed a few times. And um, the video itself actually captured my attention as much at least as the song they just go together really well and it's just the song can't get out of my head it's super addictive to me
0: I mean, I know you've done some electronic collaborations, but I mean, this kind of has like an electronic tinge to it. Okay. Have you ever thought about like doing electronic based music rather than like sparse acoustic guitar based songwriting um, stuff?
1: I do really like it and I think it might be a better way to come across to people like a few times people have sampled my stuff and put a beat on it and it gets a lot more plays than when i put out my version of it (laughs) um like a lot more so i think it would be smart i don't know why like i feel like i have a certain musical skill set and either hasn't really interested me to make beats myself or i i don't know how to do it because i don't know how to do it um so if somebody else gives me stuff then i get excited and i like working on it but uh yeah, I, just, I haven't really been super interested in, like, using a sampling database, and I, I, I just, I don't know. So I haven't branched into that for that direction. So the only electronic anything I do is just with my own voice. Okay. Although, since I've been having some issues with my hands and stuff, and I stopped playing guitar, and now I'm just doing, doing like, keyboards, and I, I can still play harp. So that might be okay. something i start incorporating in the future, which has almost never made an appearance on any record, but I'm going to maybe do that that it would probably be smart for me to learn more things that i can use midi and, and do but i just haven't i've really yeah. never ever gone down that road before yeah. really i love her voice and her her vibe is very haunting and um her new stuff is also equally as beautiful i think so that's pretty much it okay.
0: And I was refreshing my memory with this list this morning. I went on my daily sad walk in the morning where I try to shake off my my saddies and and get moving in the morning. And this song, I really love this. Um, I had never heard of this artist, uh, Jesse Marchant. Mm -hmm. And the song is called Adrift. And so I was really like... Something about this morning, I just was like, "Damn, this this hits. This is good." Yeah, so, totally good. how did you how did you come across this and then this song and like when is this is this that you said this was another more recent discovery?
1: Yeah, he's like my he's kind of my favorite artist right now. I think, okay. um, and it's actually the last person I saw play a show. In the
0: bu- in the before times,
1: yeah, in the before times, back when I I lived in Seattle before I moved to Spokane, before I moved to Redmond, before I had a kid, um, so he first I think a lot of people had recommended his music to me. Um, he used to be he used to call himself JBM, okay, um, which I think he had some kind of like a battle of names with somebody else and ended up using his own name. Um, so. His, and, and that stuff is really great, too. Similar vibe. All of it's been good. But a few people have been, like my ex bandmates were posting his stuff a lot. And I was like, huh, you know, I'd listen and it just wasn't yeah. hitting for some reason. And then um, I was singing in a band called Ghosts I've met for a while in Seattle. And the lead singer really, really liked Jesse Marchant and was showing me some of his videos. Again, sometimes the visual element can make the song hit you. In yeah. way. So he played me some of the Jesse March, and this was one of the ones. So it's like a trilogy of songs from the record that all have videos, and um, it almost has like a Bruce Springsteen Philadelphia kind of vibe or something. Like, yeah, got like a, and his voice is is a little unusual, which I like. Like, it's almost like he is not necessarily someone who was born to sing but he definitely was someone who was born to make music and his voice ends up like growing on you, but maybe that's what alienated me at first. (laughs) But, uh, and when he, he plays shows, he plays by himself and he'll even actually have like a drum and a guitar and singing and like doing it all at the same time. Like he's, he's, he's making it work really well and yeah, really moody and cool stuff and beautiful guitar player.
0: There was a real, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the springsteen song the streets of philadelphia because this definitely does have like a there's like a haunting very kind of like somberness to this Mm -hmm. song specifically that yes i can like i totally get the the comparison you're making
1: yeah and he's got Uh, some upbeat stuff too but i tend to like
2: this like the dark stuff yeah big
0: sad energy Yeah, yeah those are the vibes i'm talking about
3: um
2: i wish you'd heard
3: Ghosts of the Nile and Fame. Gone now or they will find you again.
4: Gone now or they will find
3: you again. Come and hurt you when you are finding your way. Come and hurt you when you find finding way.
0: Did you? I mean, you lived in Seattle for quite a while. Did you go to a lot of shows? Like, oh, um, yeah. as a musician, did you also check out like a lot of?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. I went to so many shows, which is weird because yeah, I haven't been to one in three years, but or three and a half, four years. Yeah. But I I mean, I pretty much went to a show at least a, once a week, and then I usually was. There was times when I was playing one or two shows a week as well. So it's like I'd see all the bands that I played with, and I would go to see. Sigur or Coco Rosie are the national bigger bands and stuff too when they'd come through uh and I mean yeah I liked going to shows a lot but alas (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't wait anymore
0: (laughs) I am just kind of like I was I had like I had really bad concert anxiety and so like I'd make myself go to shows but I was I was a little like nervous the whole time and Mm. now that it's been like way over two years since I have been to a concert I'm kind of just like is this a thing that's ever going to come back and, and if yeah. it does am I ever going to be like yes I am okay doing this and yeah. it's just it's a lot to think about
1: I kind of get anxious when I go to shows because I feel like I'm gonna play like <laughs> if I'm in the venue I get like my venue nerves that I get when I have a show so I always or I'm like nervous for the artist sort of
0: Oh, that um, ma- yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the Jesse Marchant show, it was like super intimate in this like basement room. And we talked to him after and he was really nice. And it's its one of the artists, only artists that's made me feel kind of like a fangirl in a long time. Because um, I just kind of don't get that anymore because I've been to so many shows and i put yeah. out some records and uh, something about his music makes me feel like I'm 20 again, like hearing something brand new and Yeah.
0: That's a good feeling. Like that's a tough feeling to like recapture and hang on to if if you listen to enough music or, you know, if you are invested enough in whatever uh, art form that you care about Mm -hmm. to to kind of find that spark again from someone uh, is that's good. I'll have to check out the rest of his stuff. Is it all, like, I mean, aside from the upbeat stuff, is it very similar, like, each album?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some acoustic stuff. There's some kind of, like, noisy, distorty stuff, but I'd say the song is a good middle point of where he swings. Okay.
4: Yeah.
0: So the next one you've got here is Shearwater, and that's a band that I had heard of, but like so many things I I had never listened to. Mm -hmm. So you picked a song called Back Channels, and in terms of where this falls in your life, uh, how did you get into Shearwater, and what is it about this song that made it onto the list here?
1: Let's see. Well, it was definitely one of the first ones that I thought of, partly I think because it's a little different from the kind of music that I usually listen to, which is mostly really folky, quiet yeah. stuff. Um, I saw Shearwater play at South by Southwest years ago. And I just, uh, I think the guys got in. this is like the, the, not the opposite of the Jesse margin thing. Like I, I think I was even telling my husband this the other day, like this is the kind of voice where he was like made to sing, you know, yeah. Um he, and I think he was a member of Ockerville river. I'm not sure in what, Uh, respect at some point which is also a great band Um, but this and I don't know a lot about Shearwater to be honest I'm sort of one of those like every other track is really great kind of listener and this record in particular I just really got into and it was my favorite song that came out a few years ago. And I have it on, like, the, I have a very short playlist. All the, most of these songs are on my favorite Spotify playlist. <laughs> it's the only thing I listen to in the car, and there's only, like, 25 songs on it. So it pops up a lot, and every time I'm just like, ooh, it's sort of, like, the groovy, the groovy song. And I don't really even know what it's about. I just love his voice so much.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, this is, again, this, this has, like, a, in contrast to all, a lot of the other tunes on here. I'm just looking up Shearwater also mid conversation here on Wikipedia on my mm-hmm. phone. Um, yes, this is from 2016.
1: Um, well, so it's probably like the last time I listened to an album all the way through, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh um, yeah, that's a solid record." <laughs>
0: um, but this does have like a, a a very kind of cinematic, large scope mm-hmm. to it in comparison to the other things on here.
4: Yeah. Um, I should look
1: up the lyrics to the song. I just feel like there's something kind of menacing about it or something. Uh, yeah, I would get, I would, yeah. I don't know what the words are. He's got one of those like talk, talk voices where, <laughs> twins where you don't really know what he's saying a lot of the time. It's just like doing these beautiful, it's like a cello or something.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I, I got that. I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. It's just like a, there's like a tone. It sets a tone mm-hmm. and there's an unsettling nature to it. And I do, I do like that because it it doesn't make for an uncomfortable listen, but you are like kind of like your interest is peaked and you're a little like on edge. Um, I dig it.
1: It was like my song of the year that year where it just was like, I don't know, sometimes it's like the songwriting and the performance, the recording, the vibe the whatever about it just like encapsulates it in some higher level to me than all the other just good songs and things. Yeah. So nice. Uh, where I'll probably always listen to this song a few times a month, or you know.
0: Um. So when, when were you at South by Southwest with Trespassers or with Ormond or? Yeah, Wendy's? both okay.
1: of those. I mean, I've been a bunch of times, and I, I don't like going. But uh, if you <laughs> want to talk about like conflict anxieties, like being trapped in a horrible island <laughs> but um i have had some really good experiences there too i think i've been maybe five or six times oh wow that, okay. the last one being the least glamorous i'm like okay i don't need to do this again um but yeah trespassers went maybe two or three times or Mon played a couple of times too okay but and there was one trespassers one where we played where rem's show which was like the big thing mm-hmm. got out right in the middle of our show and lots of the people came to our show so it was a really it's a really good showcase of the post rem people (laughs) so that was our best south by southwest
0: This was the only song on this list that I was like 100% familiar with um, because I used to ride very hard for the Kings of Convenience. Mm, Um, Cayman Islands. I mean, this album, uh, I bought this album right when it came out yep and I still can go back to it and I I love it so dearly. So,
1: Yeah, I've I've worn uh, out all their records. I know like every (laughs) note on every one of their albums, I think. So good.
0: Um, So tell me where this falls into your life, and specifically what made you pick Cayman Ah. Islands off of Ride on an Empty Street. I also, do you love the irony in most of their album titles?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: It didn't dawn on me right away when I first like heard of them, but then like eventually I was like, oh, that's clever. You guys are. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it is a new layout and. Yeah. yeah.
0: Declaration of Dependence was the Mm -hmm. one from 2009. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, both of their first records, I mean, I could kind of have picked any song off of either of those, but Cayman Islands is in, it's like, oh man, if you've been just thinking about it, the song makes me feel like tingly and stuff. It's like, to me, that that record, the Riot on an Empty Street is, is super, it feels like nostalgia. And I heard it when I was like in my 20s and didn't have a lot to feel nostalgic about. Yeah. Yet, but, but when I heard it, I just felt like, Oh, like you feel like you're looking through old baby photos or something, or um, and it also to me just sounds like falling in love. And I mean, that's this song is kind of a lot of their songs have these really kind of like subtle imagery, just all these little things about like your scarf or we're riding a bike together, or just these. They're not like these big tragic things, but they make they feel like the kinds of things that you remember when you think about past loves and things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it just captures a real beautiful, yeah, nostalgic, sepia-toned, whatever thing. I, music.
0: I totally, I am I agree with you 100%, and that's kind of like when I I associate, I don't know if you do this with music or did do this with music, but I associate specific songs or records with specific seasons. Mm-hmm. And Ride mm-hmm. on an Empty Street came out in, like, the fall of 2004. Mm-hmm. And so I associate it, as an autumn record Mm
4: -hmm. because
0: it sounds very autumnal because of the just the acoustic guitars and the warmth of the way that their voices blend together Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like like leaves turning and falling yeah and and like gent like a gentle crisp breeze and so like the nostalgic kind of wistfulness i totally get that because it registers Mm -hmm. especially with this one because this is like There's not a bad song on this album. No, no. Even the ones that are kind of like, this is not the best one. There's nothing that's like skippable or makes it like a train (laughs) wreck.
1: How dare you skip a song by Kings of Convenience.
3: could see if only they had been here they would understand how someone could have chosen to go the length I've gone to spend just one day riding holding on to you
1: They also haven't put out a lot of music, so each one of the records feels really special to me, because you sometimes have to wait a really long time for the next one, and I was just really getting into them. Like, the first record, I fell in love with the second one, and then it was, like, a big silence for a long time, and so those two records stayed on my rotation for a decade, kind of waiting for the next stuff to come out. They... They put out something, was it earlier this year or he later? Did, yeah. yeah. And again, I haven't listened as carefully as I should, but it is one of the only records that I have listened to. Along okay. with the new Jesse Marchant record, which are <laughs> both really good. Um, yeah, I just was
0: I in the internet age and everything where it's like you kind of can get a good feel on what someone is up to if they've like working on a new new project or if they're kind of mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm good, I'm not recording anymore. They are very um elusive and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like there you know three four years in between the first and second and then like five years in between yeah. second and third and then a decade plus in between that one and this new one and so I'm just kind of like oh I'm glad they're still active but it's like what, yeah. are they do- what are they doing in the downtime and kind of like how yeah. does I'm just I'm just grateful that they're still a thing because right. I kind of expected that they weren't a thing anymore
1: Yeah, I was on a quest to see them live for a while, and it seemed like I was going to have to fly to Scandinavia or something to make that happen, and it never did. So they're one of the only bands I haven't seen perform um, that I really love, although I saw them at South by Southwest walking around one time (laughs) at the the Feist showcase. They they were there. so it oh, makes got, sense yeah i bothered one of the guys like the dark-haired guy but he didn't really want to talk oh um but yeah that's my, my <laughs> what moment. what yeah. a great what a great fan interaction <laughs> <laughs> i was i don't i don't remember what i said but i'm sure it wasn't whenever i really like an artist i don't have anything great to say i'm just like you're so cool <laughs>
0: do you as like as someone who is a performer and like you know i would as i am just a like a music writer and podcaster living south of the twin cities i consider you to be a famous person and so do you do you also do you feel like other like do you you probably don't consider yourself to be a very famous person but do you how do you do you get starstruck around like other performers, depending on who they are, if you're having like an exchange with them, yeah. Somehow. For
1: sure. I mean, I haven't seen anybody famous in a few years, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like it if I was playing a show with somebody you know more popular than me. I felt like if they saw our sound check, they would mm-hmm. be a lot more likely to talk to us because like they would hear the music and go, oh, "This is this is okay," you know. Yeah. And otherwise, I was just some annoying girl in the green room who was trying to start a conversation. <laughs> but, um, at least felt like they could tell that I really you know I I like what I do and I've been doing it for a while kind of thing if they would actually see us play um so no I don't think of myself as a famous person at all I do get enough nice compliments I think on a regular basis from people across the world that it makes me feel like I have some small ripple effect which makes me feel good um so you know there's been one time when I actually went on my baby moon honeymoon thing in Iceland Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant um and some girl ran out of a shop and like recognized me and gave us a free lunch. And I was like, "Oh wow, this is really bizarre!" My husband was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Because that had never happened before. We had to go to Iceland for it to happen. Um, you're, but big in,
0: you're big in Iceland,
1: I guess. Yeah. So that made me feel really great. But that never, ever, ever happens. So that was really cool. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I get totally starstruck a lot, and I've I can think of some very embarrassing moments, tricky. Um, Tim Booth from James, Daniel Lenoir, like certain people who I had up on some kind of pedestal and just totally turned into a puddle when I would try to talk to them. Um, but then a few other really great artists, like Lisa Germano is one of my very favorite singers ever. And I've met her a few times and we actually ended up playing some shows with her and she, you know, we got to a point where we could actually have a conversation. <laughs> <as well laughs> and stuff. So that was, that was cool.
0: There you go. Yeah. It's, a, it's a friendship opportunity. Um, Thank Anything you. else about the Kings of Convenience before we get into the oh, second half of
1: this? No, but yeah, I mean, I'd probably say they're definitely one of my like top three artists of all time. Love wow. Them to bits, along with Radiohead, and I'm not sure who the third one is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll leave that one to change day to day.
2: It's just sad. When you've got some old words to mold And you can make them your own Still love, it would be much better Love, it would be much better I'm told It's like gold
0: The next one you have selected is Devandra Banhart, and I had never gotten into him. I remember, like, mid-2000s, like, the big pitchfork energy of the artists that they were repping, or at least, like, gotten some, I guess, good press from the site, and I that's when I was in my, like, very formative years in terms of like learning about new music. Mm-hmm. And would read about him on there and I was kind of like I don't know if this is really for me. Um but so how did you come across him originally and kind of what uh in terms of the the tunes that he has you picked a site to behold uh, so where does it Yeah, this I really I really
1: love him and I guess he did kind of spearhead whether or not he was like the beginning of something he kind of was like the the most most recognizable in that whole freak folk mo- movement that happened in what, like 2001 or something.
4: Yeah.
0: Like and, the very early two thousands freak yeah. folk was a, a, a theoretical genre that people
4: were.
1: Yeah. So onto. in my like backwards chronology thing, I think this is the point where I started. Cause before that, everything to me was shoegaze music and mm-hmm. kind of goth type stuff and girly Tori Amos kind of stuff. And that was what I was listening to. And I, I remember going to a listening station in Claremont, California, where I lived for a while, and that this particular song came on with his creepy voice and his warble and stuff. And I don't know, for some reason, it just was like, boom, like, you want to do this kind of music, you know? And uh, I don't really do that kind of music, but it definitely seeped into the early Lott Kessner stuff of wanting yeah. to Kind of revert to folk music that I hadn't, like my parents didn't really listen to folk music growing up. It was all British Elton John and Beatles and stuff like that. I grew up with Cat Stevens, which is all great stuff. Um, But I never really had the, in the background, all the folky 60s, 70s things. And I guess it got me interested in that time Mm -hmm. period. I went back and listened to it.
2: Love, it would be much better. 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 I know. I know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it just changed the way I was songwriting a little bit to... Make the song stand on its own a little bit more was one of the things that I felt about his music. Like it felt like it was just him in a closet with a guitar or something, you know? Whereas with Trespassers William, which was taking up all my time at the moment, it was very much about how all of the parts come together. Yeah. I'd write a song really quickly and I'd be like, the guys will make it cool, you know? <laughs> and I, then it was like, I want to make a song that's already cool that would be very recognizable without the band. You yeah. know, and I felt like for some, th- this song by Devendra Banhart was the one that gave me that desire.
0: Um, you mentioned shoegaze earlier, and I I did want to say on any bio that I have seen, just a quick like genre tags for Trespassers. It's always shoegaze and folk, mm-hmm. and I always think it's like those are two things that I'm not sure go
1: together. But right, right, it's all, we're like, not really either of those things. But if <laughs> if they, had I a mean. Base- It's the best way to describe the sound or at least the aesthetic. Right. And I was kind of folky and Matt was kind of shoegaze or something. And
0: it just works. And it's, and I'm like, no other, I don't think there's a lot of other people who could really pull this off and kind Mm -hmm. of like be risky and like to blend to not polar opposite things, but something so atmospheric and possibly noisy with something so gentle and have find the middle ground between the two. And so like I, when I was listening to different stars the other day, I'm like, you know, they really are shoegaze and folk and hot. That's so wild. And <laughs> yeah. so I just like other, I, I, I can't think of any other bands that I think there's, there's this group called twin Oaks that. Um, yeah um Yeah.
1: That sounds familiar.
0: They, yeah. they have a song called luster, which I really, really love. And they have a very similar kind of, sound like a shoegaze folk sound but I can't name anybody else who's really doing that and putting it together that way so I'm I'm I just you had said the the magic shoegaze word and I was like oh we should talk about that we should (laughs) talk about staring down at all of our pedals and hitting them at just the right time
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I wasn't really familiar with anything shoegaze until Matt and I decided to try to play some music together because and i was just going from way more straight ahead singer songwriter stuff and he was really really into lush and all the four ad bands red house painters and mazzy star and stuff and i wasn't really that familiar with them and he got me into all that
4: yeah
1: yeah and i didn't know how to produce anything at the time so it was just like here's my little sketch and then he would do whatever he was going to do with it you know um
0: I did. Before we get into the next one, I noticed when I was you, I was just like revisiting some trespasser stuff. And like when you sent out all the information about the new album coming out in February, I there's a trespasser single from 2020. Is that was that like an unreleased thing that found its way out, or like is that new?
1: New technically, it thing? is new, but it wasn't brand new. Then it was the only thing we did after the band broke up, but it okay. was. From a few years earlier and we were wanting to do more songs than one so it's like you know maybe we'll put out a couple songs someday so we sat on that one for a few years and then we realized we didn't have any other song to put out so we i just like let's let's do this one although we actually are talking we're always talking about doing something else or he actually sent me something this week to maybe mess around with if i find the time and uh, so there might be some more stuff but that song. You know, when it came out, it was probably a few years after we recorded it.
0: The next one if you're ready to get into this next one i was not familiar with this band at all uh the band idaho
4: mm-hmm.
0: um the song is called to be the one so where if we're going in reverse order where does this fall into your your life so
1: this one was when i was like a super music geek where all i did was go to record stores and go through discount bins and i was subscribed to all of the magazines this is probably like maybe right after we put out our first record or before we'd even put out any trespassers records and on a um, CMJ magazine sampler was Mm -hmm. this song and, or one of his songs. And then I went and explored the rest of his music from discount bins and stuff. Um, This song I still would say is my favorite song of all time. Maybe just because of it being, you know, it's like once a song has been your favorite song for 10 years, it's kind of your favorite song forever um so yeah it just there's something about this song this is the first time i heard it again it was just like was like magic like it was beyond the genre of music and it's a pretty simple song but there's something about the the lap steel or pedal steel or the the guitar uh, it's actually probably just a slide slide guitar part that happens in the chorus and i don't know juxtaposed with his voice so
3: you know just what you are What you're talking about
1: I don't know what it is about it, to be honest, but I've, there's a lot of his music that I like and he actually sang a little tiny bit on my first solo record and did a little bit of piano stuff and we've kept in touch and we went out to dinner one time and and I was a fangirl. (laughs) uh, It's just like this song to me is like, uh, I've had many experiences where I've sat people down in my twenties and just like made them listen to this song, like moving my hand through the air to like show them parts that I like. (laughs) Uh, It was just one of those ones, you know, the song that you share, like, my husband, I think he said his song was like between the bars by Elliot Smith, which is one of the best songs of all time as well, where you just like, listen to this song, like, like the moment in, in a garden state, you know?
0: Oh sure. With the headphones,
1: put on your headphones and listen to this song for me that's what this one is and and that's kind of like the song stands alone in their catalog there's a lot of other good stuff but this one is like the the peak
0: yeah it's i'm glad that you also have moments like that where you need not only want to share some a song with somebody and like sit them down with it but you that you there's like a need to um Mm -hmm. because that doesn't i mean i don't do that much anymore but when i do it's like you know that the song means business and it's like, (laughs) like the song didn't come here to fuck around Mm -hmm. and it's that important to you that you, and like the person you're sharing it with is important enough to you that you want them to be a part of it.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. This song
1: is just, it cast a magical spell on the version of me from almost 20 years ago or whatever, Mm -hmm. where it's just sort of always going to have this special, metal, you know, on it.
0: Mentioned this group earlier, um, but this is the Cocktail Twins, mm-hmm. Carolyn's Fingers. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, we're getting into this is the like the, sometime in the 80s, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how is this when you were like pretty young getting into music or how do how does a young person get into a band like this?
1: Yeah. Well, this was high school. I was like a junior in high school, I think. And this song was, wasn't brand new at the yeah. time. I think, but, um, I'd never heard of them before when I heard it. Um, when, around the time I got into them, they were just about to put out their last record milk and kisses and then they were done, which was a big bummer to me. Cause, but I had all this back catalog to get into, uh, I did hear – I had a really good exposure to music growing up because I have a brother who's 10 years older. Oh, okay. Like a crazy music nerd, not a musician, but has like the biggest record collection you've ever seen. So we had a ton of vinyl and um, later, you know, CDs and other stuff in the house. And he was like a college DJ and stuff. And made – you know, when we were young, he would sit us down on the weekend and play me and my little sister things he thought we should know. Like, this is the Smiths. This is Grantley Buffalo this is echo and the bunny man and stuff. So other little girls who are 10 probably weren't listening to that stuff. <laughs> and I'd never had like a new kids on the block record. I just was listening to the Smiths and stuff. So that that's cool points from my brother and I actually wrote an essay about that, about, about the Smiths and my brother and my whole thing about that. But, uh, Ah, Cocteau Twins. So Cocteau Twins, I, this was my friend Sarah. There was this girl in high school that was a year ahead of me who I thought was the coolest person in school. And we started hanging out together, and she played me this song in her car, along with a couple of other Cocteau Twins songs as well. And that was one of those. The same thing that happened when I heard Cigarose for the first time, where you just, it's not even, it wasn't music. It was like some transportation, some heavenly thing that you're hearing like weird sounds and the fact that yeah. you can't what she's saying helps that so that yeah. also kind of i mean i've sort of borrowed that at times of sometimes it doesn't matter what you're saying or you can just <laughs> drag a word out for the whole verse or something you know right because sometimes the way you're singing it is a lot more important than yeah. the words that you're saying and the word is just like a filler you put in i think a lot of musicians write songs sometimes without even any words and then you fill in the words and almost brings the song down So like just do the sound that you want to make (laughs) and just do it. So I'd never heard vocals like that, but I feel like it's had a big influence on the way that I sing, is her singing uh, Liz Frazier. And I love all the records, all the different, like the early kind of heavier goth stuff, the later really dreamy stuff. I love all of it. My my baby daughter loves all of it, too. <laughs> and um, But this song was just, I remember the exact moment that we were in the car and I heard it and it was just like another like like the Devendra Banhardt's just yeah. like I didn't know that there was this kind of music you know so now there's another kind of thing that speaks to me that I can incorporate as one of the pieces of the puzzle of what I want to do with music
0: um did you ever and I've only listened to one of their albums but did you ever get into this mortal coil
1: oh yeah I have that stuff that box set of the triple disc thing yeah <laughs>
0: okay I um I had only ever heard of, and I mean I had only heard of them because they use um the one song is used in the film Lost Highway.
1: Oh, right. The uh was it the Song
0: to the Siren Help is used in is Lost the Highway.
1: Cover. Yeah.
0: And so that was how I heard of them, and that was kind of I recognize the name Elizabeth Frazier Then, yeah, and, what a
1: cool vocalist! And she yeah. sang on some Massive Attack records. I don't know if you know that. But yeah, there's almost something like non-human about their music. But that that like sometimes I like my music to be very earthy, like Iron and Wine or something. But yeah, I love the other end of the spectrum. Like you just went to Mars, and this is the kind of music that they make. You know. <laughs>
0: So you've picked a song by Kate Bush, and uh, I always have felt like I need to sit down and listen to Kate Bush with more earnestness, but I am scared of her. (laughs) There's something, and I don't know if it's just me, I don't know if other people feel the same way too, there's something very intimidating about her, (laughs) and something that just makes me... I don't know. I just get uncomfortable and I like, I want to yeah. like her and I, I love a lot of the songs she's written, mm-hmm. but I'm just kind of like, Kate Bush, you're giving me vibes. And I don't know if I like these <laughs> vibes. Here. And so I've tried and I, I, I played this this morning when I was on my walk and everything. And I was kind of like, this is a good song, but oh Kate Bush, you're Oh, I'm just giving me chills. Mm-hmm. So mother stands for comfort uh, from hounds of love. Mm-hmm. What is your introduction? Was Kate Bush another one from your older brother or how did you get into yeah, it? Or... I,
4: well,
1: yeah, I mean, Kate Bush, Kate Bush, like Morrissey and the Smiths, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like if you didn't get into it really young, I feel like you kind of miss the window for some reason. Like if there's a certain kind of weirdness, like my my husband is younger than I am. So there's even some kinds of the 80s music that he'll think the vocalists are just too weird or something like he's just not into the way they're singing. But I heard so much of that, that especially, I mean, it was like I was 10 years older listening with my, to my brother's taste. It was like Depeche Mode was my thing when I was six or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No. But I can see why it would maybe be alienating to someone who grew up listening to Nirvana to go try to listen to Depeche Mode. And similarly with Kate Bush, it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of other people doing music like that. That's not as weird or witchy or, uh challenging you know
0: yeah witchy and challenging are both good words to describe her um yeah. i wonder if it's like we have when i was a kid we had the 45 uh for that song with her and peter gabriel oh yeah yeah that's and great. i think that just i think as a child that maybe i something about it just like didn't sit well with me that's a real
1: sad song yeah it's a very upsetting song too Um, but so, I mean, the very, I remember the very first song I ever remember hearing on the radio was Kate Bush. Okay. I remember the first video that I ever saw was Eurythmics and the first song was Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. So at the time it didn't strike me as weird because I didn't have a lot of other stuff to compare it to. And then my brother was a big fan. So it was just around Hounds of Love. I got into probably like really early high school or maybe even junior high. And that record to me is the most accessible of hers where I knew every word to that whole record by the time I was 13 or something. And all the songs mean something really special to me, but um, mother stands for comfort is maybe the most in my wheelhouse of sort of, I don't know, the kind of, the kind of music that I try to make.
4: Whereas
1: a lot of her other stuff is way out there, but I mean, the way she's, then I went back into her later catalog in my twenties more and just, the way that she, she sings, I don't know. It's like, I actually, I actually don't like it. I was saying this the other day that I don't like my singers to be actors. (laughs) I, I really respect people. Like even sometimes Beth Gibbons from Portishead does it and I love her, but like Aldous Harding, I can see she's super talented. All her songs are great, but I just am not into that right now where the singer seems like they're acting a different part on each song on their record. And Kate Bush kind of did it, but it kind of felt like all of them were her, like she was schizophrenic or something. And all these voices are this true, like she was just so unique and weird and it's really who she was and there's nothing she could have done differently. And I don't know, it just, it also was just really catchy to the point that me and my little sister, who was even younger than I was, thought it was great music as kids, you know? Mm So I don't know. It's great. <laughs> okay. I'm going to,
0: I'm going to make it, make it, I'm going to try. I'm going to sit down All with right. one of these and I'm going to be like, okay, there's nothing Kate Bush can't hurt me. Right. There's nothing to be afraid of and see if I can get into it. Cause yeah, we didn't, I mean, my parents listened to a lot of pop music of the time of like the, in the early eighties, but we didn't have anything like this in the house. Yeah. It was like other kind of, it was like, you know, we were big Springsteen house. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that, like Phil Collins and Genesis. So, like, that was kind of my upbringing was, like, big popular pop music of the era. Nothing kind of outlying like this. Mm -hmm.
1: And, Um, I mean, obviously, there's, like, really weird challenging music out there, which this isn't, like, outsider music or anything. But it maybe that's what makes people feel uncomfortable is that it's, like, almost pop music. But then... And it's a very sensual it's very womanly yeah. <laughs> music and I don't know I think she's she and Bjork are kind of like the women in the industry for me as and I and similarly I think if you heard Bjork for the first time when you were 35 or something you might be like what is this you know
0: yeah it took I, me a long time to get into Bjork and then Bjork put out that all acapella album and mm-hmm. terrified me that's and- a scary one <laughs> I give credit to artists who are willing to really push things and and challenge themselves as performers, but also challenge their listeners.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's
0: gotta, it's, it, can't be, it can't be easy to be like, oh, I have faith that my my audience or listeners will follow me as I do this thing. Right. So it's, it's like right. a huge gamble. So good for them. Does Kate Kate Bush doesn't really do does she still do stuff? She's kind of like she retired, has she? She
1: didn't play any shows for like 20 or 30 years. Cause she said that there, she couldn't do shows the way she wanted them to be done. Like in just a huge production, it was like all or nothing. So she did one tour or something like that. And then she didn't play. And then she did play some shows again a couple years ago and just in England, I think. Yeah. But she's. Yeah. I, I don't know again, if it's like the, uh, the window of opportunity to really believe in artists. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely feel like the music you hear in your twenties kind of resonates in a way that no other music will ever do, which is maybe it lasts longer for some people, but then I got into the music industry and it just changes how I see the people on the stage, how I hear things. I wish that it didn't. I wish I could capture that little girlness a little bit more, but like when I hear Bjork and when I hear Kate Bush, I see these true unique people making really honest music. And when I hear other people maybe doing stuff like that now, I'm like, Oh, they're such a poser or something, <laughs> you know? And I, I don't know if it's the artists aren't as good as Kate Bush and Bjork, or if I am just like, just I've just been damaged now I can't I can't can't believe them anymore or something I wish that I could I wish I could
0: you're like you're like I want to talk to you about authenticity kid Can right,
1: right right yeah I know I've gotten I've gotten pretty obsessed about authenticity which I try to have I try to have in my music even if it makes it like less interesting or fun you know
0: So we've reached the last one, which uh, you wanted to do last because you it features you. Oh yeah,
4: kind
1: <laughs> of. I'm very very lightly featured. Yeah,
0: I I think when I I think <laughs> yeah. when I originally heard this, I was like, oh, she's on this one, cool. And then I was listening on my headphones and I was like doing like, something outside, she? and I'm like i
1: think i can kind of pick out there a little bit in the yeah oh, okay,
0: there it is there so this the, is this there's is, no
1: ego in me picking this this
0: stuff <laughs> <pick> <laughs> um so this is by someone uh televangel and this one's yeah. framed in the doorway so you t- how did this come together like when is this from
4: um, how yeah. did you get
0: involved <laughs> what's the scoop here
1: well, and I picked this one because it is one of my favorite things that I'm on, which maybe, again, is because I can't really hear myself, so I don't I listen like I'm just a fan. But So there's a band called Blue Sky Black Death that's kind of big in, in electronic, and uh, my rapper friend Sadistic, who I used to do a lot of music with, introduced me to them, and they wanted to do a collaboration that ended up um, – they ended up only using a tiny little bit of the stuff that I sent them. Okay. And years later, one of the guys who's televangel now, he said, Oh, you know, I found some of the other stuff you gave us. I don't know why we didn't use it. So I'm like turning it into something else. So it's actually like, I think he even like took away the melody that I was singing and just used the way, like the, the sound of my voice and changed even the pitches. Um, so it's like a completely different thing. Um, the words like The Framed in a doorway was originally written for this other song of theirs for his other project. So it was just like a nice surprise and the whole EP that this came out on is great. video again is like watching the video and hearing the song to me is very engaging and arresting and like makes me feel weird <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a really cool video experience where he's uh taken clips from oh man i can't remember the name of the movie right now but it's an old horror film and matched it up perfectly in time with the beat and it's really cool um so i just i love listening to this song as a fan and acting like I'm not
4: Not on it. it. (laughs) Because
1: I didn't actually, you know, it was again, I was listening to a totally different chord progression time signature when I wrote those parts. And this is just something that he created from those samples.
0: Yeah. We've got to the end of the songs that you've selected. And with the new album that you've got coming out, let's talk about that just so folks know. um, Because the last album you put out was in 2017. And so you've got the the thing that you the thing that's coming out in february is stuff that you had started working on a couple of years ago and just recently finished is that what you had said earlier yeah
4: kind
1: of varying um degrees of how old they are some of them were written like 10 years ago some of them were written years ago but i actually did record them over the last few years so there's two or three that are or maybe four of them are like new recordings from since i've moved to the house i'm in now Uh, but it is, there were all things I kind of wanted to put out at some point or other, or there was actually some like legal reasons why I couldn't do things or, you know, and then I was freed up to release things. And, um, just, just my favorites of the stuff in my B-sides folder on my computer. And I was like, I'm going to finish these or re-sing them. If I didn't like the vocal, re-add some new instruments to make it more interesting, bring in some other people. And partly because of this recognizing that I had just kind of stopped writing music, um, I've been writing a ton of poetry and I can and have turned poetry into music sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I might do that, but partly just, yeah, I've had a lot of pain issues, lots of hand and shoulder things that makes sitting in the closet, working on music all day, less of a thing I can do. So, and then having a kid that I'm taking care of all day, I'd have to, you know, have my husband's mom drive all the way out here so that I could work on music for a couple hours or something and so it was a long chip away and i tried to put this out about a year ago i was just getting it all wrapped up and i typed up the liner notes and just typing the liner notes ended up hurting my hands so bad that i had to like kind of shut down the whole project for a while although all for the best um i can't i can't type with my left hand anymore which is a big bummer (laughs) because i love typing but um now over the last year i ended up adding a lot more songs to the collection and um like the two covers weren't in existence a year ago and I was going to put out the album and I didn't have the extra musician on be calmed. I had that song just sitting around like, Oh, maybe I'll add strings. Maybe I'll do something. And my friend, Chris, who um, performs with me live sometimes ended up adding a ton of stuff to that song and it sounds great. So that'll be the single. And um yeah, so there's sort of different little cut and paste and there was one other song i really liked and i was just like i wish i could play guitar on this and i just i had some old recording that didn't have any guitar on it and i ended up finding one version of it on some old drive where i had apparently played guitar on it and i didn't remember and i deleted it and none of the other million versions of it had that so i put it back in i was like cool the song's finished and (laughs) because i can't play guitar anymore so this was sort of it's kind of a really bittersweet record to me it's like now I'm a mom, now I have these pain things, but I have these songs and I want them to come out. And it's like the songs that are me playing guitar on the record are like the last time anybody's going to hear me playing guitar, you know?
0: That's that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Kind of heavy
1: for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, not that you there's any really safe way to perform live right now unless you did like a live stream thing or right better. are you gonna try to play shows at all in support of this like with a band
1: I, I don't think so I mean yeah I felt like doing a video which you know like that was hard enough just to get that done and that was just you know a couple of evenings yeah um that that's kind of we did some photos we did a video we're doing a little bit of promo we got the record coming out and, and we i mean i i guess <laughs> i <laughs> um, the royal yeah. we <laughs> yeah exactly uh that's kind of i think as much as i have energy for at the moment anyway yeah. and maybe in a couple of years when my kids in school i'll feel differently and want to you know this this will be included in a future set but um yeah touring was great but it kind of ground me down. (laughs) I've (laughs) done a lot of touring. I've done a lot of sleeping on floors, a lot of not showering and, you know, just, yeah, insomnia and all those things that probably wouldn't be touring. And as far as a local show, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll do like a local show next year or something. Yeah. And so you,
0: you live, you still live in Washington, right?
1: Yeah. I'm living in Redmond, which is close to Seattle. Okay.
0: Okay. So
1: I can get over there in a half hour and be part of that thing if I want to, wanted to, or if they okay. wanted me.
0: <laughs> um, as someone who's living outside of Seattle, have you ever taken the the official Twin Peaks tour, or have you just gone to the locations on your own accord ever?
1: I have. I didn't know that there was an official one, but it was one of the first things that I did when I moved to Seattle was go to the falls and then try to and the diner and you know, kind of accidentally found a couple of the other things. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm a crazy. Twin Peaks is my favorite. David Lynch is my favorite. And so, yeah, I definitely, I've been to the Falls now like a hundred times, probably. I take everybody there and I just, if I was in a bad mood, I would just drive out there. But yeah, official tour, you can tell me about that.
0: So, <laughs> my wife and I went on vacation to Seattle in 2017. And the whole reason we went out there was well because there's we're both vegan so there's like mad vegan food options everywhere Mm -hmm. which we're very excited about but we wanted she found this and i don't know if he's still doing it but there's there at the time there was a guy who was offering a tour a twin peaks tour and he would pay a fee and he would take you and like three or four other people that day just around and point out different filming locations. So we went, so we went to the falls. We went to the, the little clearing in the park where they have the picnic that's in the pilot where there's like the, the (laughs) video Dan thing. Um, we went to the double R.
1: Mm -hmm. We went to the exact spot on the road where they did the the picture on the cover of the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, we went to the, and peak sign and stuff. Yeah, we Just,
0: went to the spot yeah, on the road with the sign. Yeah,
1: been there.
0: <laughs> um, we went to the exterior of the roadhouse.
1: Oh, cool. I which seen is
0: that. not at all what the interior is like. It's like a family restaurant. Okay. It's not a a bar where you're going to get into a fight or see Nine Inch Nails play. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it was like a whole kind of morning into the afternoon and we went, there was like a bunch of stuff because this was in 2017. So this was right after the season, the, the return had just oh, concluded. Yeah. So it was a lot of like the bench that um, Carl sits
1: on. <laughs>
0: the bench. Yeah, so we went. There's know. like a bench what that he,
1: things? most people will probably be like, you want to go see a bench?
0: <laughs> yeah, so like we went to this bench, and there was like a couple other locations that were nearby that were used mm-hmm. in one way or the other in filming certain things. But yeah, this was this guy's whole thing. He just would like he was very passionate about it and he was full of facts and had some interesting theories about the third season and that's
1: cool yeah but so to the third season i went out to the laura palmer house which is in everett Edmonton? yeah everett? everett. yeah so i hadn't done that one but that kind of re-sparked my interest one of my friends actually got to go inside because the lady invited him in but
0: yeah I mary was- she follows me on twitter and that she's <laughs> yeah, she's, she's pretty, she seems really nice. We did not go to the Palmer House, but she's, I think she's very accommodating if people want yeah, to go she inside. I don't
1: think they were there when we went, so we just had to take pictures out front. But And actually, um, one of my videos, the Secret Longitude video, has the Ronette Pulaski Bridge in it. Oh, yeah, we went to the bridge,
0: too. The bridge is yeah, the one, yeah. One. I'm yeah. definitely
1: a fan, so Washington is in, was in my blood before I moved here from California.
4: yeah.
0: Um, cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about with this time that we didn't get to? Any other things aside from the record and the songs uh, that you picked?
1: Not really. Just, okay. like, I just I'm not sure the order of operations, but there's going to be a video coming out sometime before the record, okay. which I'm excited about, and that's kind of it. I and guess.
0: then the 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 record you can get on CD, but it'll be available to stream as well in the very like on all the usual. Yeah, process. and yeah. if I
1: can figure out. I couldn't figure out how to make an album. Like, you can't put an album on Bandcamp without letting people listen to it. And so I didn't want people to be able to hear it before it came out. <laughs> so I haven't done any of that. I just put the CD on. It'll be available on Bandcamp, but probably not until that day because I just, that's the, like part of their policy is that people shouldn't have to pay for music if they don't get to hear it and make sure they want to, they like it, which is cool. Bandcamp's cool. Um, but I, yeah, I couldn't figure that one out. So, okay. It will be coming out, and the CDs are. I mean, right now I'm planning on only just doing a really small run, so it'll probably just be for the people who really want it, and then that'll be the end of the physical format after this okay. batch.
0: R.I.P. to the physical format. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. <laughs> My husband thinks I'm pretty crazy that I want more CDs in the garage. <laughs> it's just, you know, I I was the girl who you know went to the record stores every day, so yeah, I just will still want to believe in, in something that's gone.
0: (laughs) No, I totally, I totally understand. I mean, I still buy CDs. I still, I mean, if a label puts something out on a tape, I will buy a tape. Like I I get the draw of a physical format, despite
4: Mm -hmm. not a
0: lot of other people doing that.
1: Yeah. I still buy vinyl. I think it's only one I, I even buy myself, but it's so such a pain in the butt to do vinyl and ship it and stuff that I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah, I know that it's also um, because we have surpassed peak vinyl in terms of, like, the mm-hmm. amount of things coming out uh, and pressing plants are, like, backed up, like, a year. Right. And oh, yeah. So, it's just kind of, like, even if you have, like, a small run of something that you want to get out, you're going to be, like, bumped because Target is making a limited edition variant of the Bob Marley's Greatest Hits. Right. And they got <laughs> to pre- press that before they press your thing. It's just, like, it seems like such a nightmare
1: yeah well, I guess I didn't even know about that, so I'm glad I'm not doing <laughs>
4: no, every, everybody,
0: time. everybody that I've talked to who's like in uh, who is a performer and who has like a an album that they're trying to get put out on vinyl or did put out on vinyl. it was such a like such a fiasco for them in terms of like mm. the weight at the pressing plant or like a a test pressing that wasn't quite right or things and like you know supply chain issues and big air quotes from like the last year and and so it's just like everything is just all backed up real bad so i think a cd is a safe small bet probably in terms of yeah yeah just just makers want you
1: to make cds they like call you every day like are you gonna place your order (laughs) (laughs) so i had no problem getting that one We saw that you were almost finished filling out your thing. <laughs> Which is great. They have good customer service. There you go.
0: There you go. All right. Well,
1: thank you so much
0: for taking time out of your day and for being so thoughtful with this, the tunes you selected and, and being willing to chat with me about cool, all this. I really, time. really appreciate it. Yeah.
5: Just sweet as Something you'll run back and for When the house burns down
0: it takes me to record this outro. These aren't easy at all. I think these are harder than the interviews. Uh, This is take three. Maybe it would behoove me to write all this out in advance rather than just ad-libbing it while I stare at the waveform recording on my computer. Uh, A million thanks to my guest today, Anna Lynn Long for pulling up in the virtual building and chopping it up with me and picking a delightfully eclectic mix of tunes and having personal things to share and also kind of talking about her history as a singer and songwriter with 20 plus years under her belt. You've just heard snippets of two things that Anna Lynn has been involved in. The most uh, recent thing that you have heard there, I would say that these are both of these songs oldies but goodies if that is an expression that we're still using so that is from her 2013 album released under the lot kessner name the album is called the bluebird of happiness the tune was called pears and if i'm not mistaken that was one of my favorite songs of 2013 And before that, you heard a little bit of her work with her former group, Trespassers William, and as we talked about on the show, their second album, Different Stars, is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and the track that I played a little bit of right at the end of the show was the song called Alone. Both of those are available now. You can stream them wherever you choose to stream your music, Apple Music, Spotify, this that whatever you can also probably cop physical editions of those if you so choose or you can download them from Bandcamp or iTunes and as we talked about Anna Lynn's got a new joint coming out in February February 11th mark your calendars set a reminder on your phone Uh, you can order a physical compact disc copy of Lost Songs from her Bandcamp page lotkessner.bandcamp.com and you'll be able to stream that album uh, on its day of release folks this has been as DJ Khaled would say another one another episode of the Anhedonic Headphones Podcast it's time for the fine print that nobody gives a shit about this is of course the audio extension of the award winning music website Anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com, home of the long-winded think piece and it's been taking the fun out of music writing since 2013. Who has let me do this for nine years? Why has nobody stopped me? I have no idea. Uh, if you like this podcast smash that like button uh, subscribe to it in all the places that fine podcasts are sold. Tell your friends about it. Tell your enemies about it tell strangers about it uh i'm just trying to make it happen you know provide some fun interviews something for you to listen to to drown out your intrusive thoughts for like 90 minutes at a time until next time thank you so much for listening i hope that you're staying safe out there and i hope you are doing as well as you are able to be but that is a big ask right now so try to be as kind to yourself as you can i'm still working on that every day Uh, Keep washing your hands, keep wearing two masks, and black lives still matter. I'll see you next time.